Good day, listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We're glad to have you with us. My name is Jonathan, and we have uh, our director of training here at Be Broken, John Fork, on uh, the line with us. So, John, how's it going up in Portland? It's going well up here. Yes. Yeah. We have very different weather patterns, I think. You know, it's uh, right now when we're recording this, it's the end of November. And so we're down here in short sleeves in San Antonio, Texas, enjoying the, uh, you know, 70 plus degrees. And I know I'm seeing uh, those who are watching the video can see that John's, it's a, it's a little gray out in uh, in Portland. So yeah, yeah, no snow, but we've been scraping frost off the windows. Yes, exactly. Well, listeners, before we dive into a really great conversation that I'm looking forward to with John, because he's going to help us uh, try to help parents really understand how can you explain God's design for sex to your children in a way that they can understand and really has meaning to it. Um, I just want to remind you, especially as we come to the end of this year, uh, we are a listener-supported broadcast. So the only way that anybody's seeing us or hearing us is because we've just had faithful and generous partners over the years come alongside and and say, you know what, I believe in what you're doing, and I want to continue to help you expand your reach through these podcasts. And so if you are um, if you're benefiting from this, if you're feeling God prompt you to come alongside and partner with us, we would be grateful, especially if you want to even just give a one-time year-end uh, gift to help us continue to do what we're doing and even expand it into the next year. Just go to puresexradio.com and click on the donate link and you can learn about how you can come alongside and partner. So John, um, one of the things that you've really been doing uh, here at Be Broken is really starting to kind of break open more resources for families, specifically for parents and their kids, um, even as young as five years old, all the way up into adulthood. Uh, so before we get into this specific conversation about how, you, how we can help parents explain God's design for sex and why that matters, um, share a little bit about uh, the book that you released um, last year. Was it last year or this year? No, it came out this year. <laughs> I, I get it confused. Uh, tell a little bit about Honest Talk and just uh, yeah. let people know how they can get a, get a hold of that. Right. So, so we're just trying to, to provide uh, more help with parents for parents to talk with their kids about sex. Quite frankly, I mean, uncles and aunts and grandparents and, you know, as families, extended families, we need to be able to talk about these things. Um, you never know who a kid's going to go to with a question about things like that. Um, but just trying to reframe the way we talk about sex to kids. There's lots of books about how to explain the mechanics of sex and things like that, and even some other kinds of, of things. But, but this is more like, how do, we, how do we frame the conversation to begin with? And mm -hmm. that's why the book is called Honest Talk, because um, we've all had experiences with adults when we were kids, maybe when the topic of sex, if it came around, people were not necessarily being honest. They might be saying what sounds like the right thing, but it wasn't, it wasn't based in reality very much of like how, what we actually really experience. Um, and so I think like, too, some of us who are, who are maybe, you know, who were born in the seventies or the sixties and even maybe earlier than that, the expectation for parents was a lot of times is you need to have the talk with your kids, right. like, like this one singular moment in time at a very particular age that they're at and then think, Whew, my job's done here. I've had the talk with my kid about sex. Yeah. And I love what you've done in this book is you're saying, no, it's dialogue. It's ongoing. How do you build a relationship to where you can connect on this topic in an ongoing way? Right, right. And today, what we're gonna, I want to talk about God's design for sexuality and sex. How do we 
talk about that with kids. Um, and, and so the reason we want to do this is we have to remember that God did invent sex. It was his idea, and it's a good thing. So we have to keep that in mind, too. Um, it's not like it accidentally happened and God is like all worried about it. It's like, no, this was his idea from the beginning. We're not supposed to be embarrassed to talk about what God designed on purpose. Mm. Um, and our kids need to know the purposes of their sexuality as it emerges, not just a list of things not to do. Um, if all they think of sex is, well, it's just bad, um, that's not really helpful in any way. So um, we want to say, well, what, what at your age, which is different all the way through as they grow up. What do you do with this? What, what you, you, uh, sexuality is part of all of us. What do we do with that um, in a positive way? So that, that's what we want to talk about. Um, I want to talk about a framework here um, that we want to base these conversations in. How do we think about God's design for sexuality? Uh, first of all, we need to understand that our sexuality is intertwined with our emotions, with our relationships with people, with our spirituality, with a relationship with God. Our sexuality is not a separate box. It's part of all of who we are. And so we need to start thinking about it that way. Um, and we can openly talk about sexuality and sexual feelings with our family. That, that's, that's the best place to start. Um, and even with God, okay? Um, so, so here's five basic things that we can kind of hang these conversations on. First of all, God created everything, okay? Um, and our kids need to know that. And include, when we talk about God created everything, as appropriate, we say includes your sexuality. Mm -hmm. God created that. And everything has a purpose. And so when you're talking about any conversation, um, it's okay to throw in every once in a while, your sexuality has the purpose too. Um, beyond just having babies someday. Right. Uh, a third thing is God knows everything, including the future. This is really important because when kids get to a certain age and wonder, well, why did God say not to do that? Well, well, the idea is he knows better than we do, and he knows everything, including the future, and he doesn't give us guidelines for no reason. There's always a reason. Um, and then fourth, if you're going to say that, you also have to follow with God cares very deeply about you as when you are talking to your child. More than anyone else can, God cares deeply about you. And so that's important to know, too. He's not going to tell us to do something or not to do something for no reason. It's because it's for our, it's for our good. It's the best for us. And then finally, we can trust God when he gives us guidelines to live by. We don't want to just talk about guidelines to our sexuality in isolation. He gives us guidelines in how we talk to other people. He gives us guidelines in how to use our money. He gives us guidelines in, in, in eating and everything. It, and so it's, it's sexuality is one of, it, when we pull sexuality out separately, it creates all kinds of problems. We say, this is just one more part of our lives that we steward, and that looks different as we get older. But um, that, that, you know, God gave it to us to take care of, not to just do whatever we want with. And don't you think that some of the challenge that we have with some of this is that in the culture that we're living in now, where sexuality has been sort of pulled out or elevated yeah. to this particular position to say, you know, people are wrapping their entire identities now around their sexuality. Yeah. And, and while it is a central and important part to us being human, right? I think when we get it out of balance like that, saying now, you know, I'm going to identify first and foremost, in some kind of sexual way, 
that's a that's a confusing message, I think, for kids too, right? Yeah. Right, because uh, uh, in Dr. Julie Slattery's book, Rethinking Sexuality, she talks about this. This is one more way that 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 this is part of all of who we are. We recognize that people can have be physically broken, either from birth or by some kind of accident. We realize people can be emotionally and mentally harmed and broken. We also, our sexuality can be broken and harmed too. And so um, when it is true that all of us have what we call sexual brokenness, we all have some sort of, uh, of pain, whether the emotional, whatever, based around our sexuality, even our kids do. By the time a kid is 10, 11, 12, they begin to be start getting anxious very not all the time but often they eventually will get anxious about their sexuality am i good enough as a boy am i acceptable as a girl am i i'm not sure what i think about this whole puberty thing it kind of freaks me out that is normal you see what i'm saying and we but it's also normal all just like everything else in our life if that makes sense i yeah. remember being I, I remember being nine years old and um suddenly dawned on me that I was going to grow up. I know that seems weird, but thinking, I looked at my parents and other adults and said, I don't want to be like that. They have this job that's really boring they have to go to every day. I'll have to stop playing with toys. It was a trauma for me. Did you see what I'm saying? Right, yeah. We have trauma. Growing up is traumatic, right? Well, sexuality is also traumatic for a kid very often. We, we can't forget that. It's just part of the whole picture. So when you, so, so kind of recapping a little bit on this framework, these five things, you said, you know, God created everything is really important. Everything has a purpose. Can we, can you dive into that a little bit more? Because I think when we're talking about trying to explain to kids God's design for sexuality, I think this is one of those pieces of the framework that a lot of parents might even be confused about. Like, so what is the purpose of, of God's design for sex? Because it seems to me like, from just a purely, you know, biological standpoint, we go, well, procreation, that must be the purpose of God's design for sex. But is there more to it? Well, there's a lot more to that. So um, the very earliest thing that children understand is God made us male and female on purpose. And part of that purpose is to illustrate the different aspects of God. He said he made us in his image, male and female. Therefore, God encompasses both male and female, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. And they, we, th those those uh, types of humans, you might say, illustrate different aspects of, of who God is. And that's a picture. Just like we have baptism as a picture. There's all kinds of things that are pictures. God likes pictures. And so that's one of the purposes is to demonstrate this is how God is. These are different ways of how God is towards us. And, and I would add to that, this is one thing that is getting very, very skewed and blurred in our culture with all of the gender confusion, is that those very specific distinctions between male and female are good on purpose, right? right? I think what we've done is we've said, listen, there, let's make it where there, we, we can't see any difference between male and female. Let's erase all the differences. And actually, God's design was, it's on purpose that I made these very distinct um, sort of, these, these distinct human beings that go together, but they are different. And that actually, it's good that they're different. So we celebrate the differences of maleness, and we celebrate the differences of femaleness, rather than trying to just make them genderless. However, we have to be careful that we also recognize that God made our boys and our girls 
to be unique within themselves. And yes. some of the problem, this is not a Christian problem, this is a cultural problem, is that we want to put on our children, this is how boys are and this is how girls are. Yeah. And sometimes they're not based in reality at all. Let's look at two quick examples. Deborah is mentioned in Judges, and they didn't have kings at that time. They had a judge who didn't rule over, but all the decisions were made by them. She was the judge, a woman, for the entire nation of Israel at that time. And when an enemy came, she led, her, a woman led the battle because, and made fun of the men because they were too afraid to do it. So that is an element of what femaleness can look like. We have to be careful to not fall into what culture says. I'm not talking about Christian culture. I'm talking about American culture of what it needs. David played a harp and sang songs when he was a youth. He wrote poetry. <laughs> right. And people would say, yeah, but back then, the, all the musical instruments were always played by men. Exactly. When did playing a harp get to be a feminine thing? That, that's, that's our problem, not God's problem. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And he also danced in his underwear in front of everybody. I'm not suggesting we go do that, but what I'm saying is that... <laughs> So David was a, a, a man, a young man who liked to play and sing instruments, play instruments and sing and write poetry and dance in his underwear. And it's like, so that's, it's like, and that was maleness. So, so we have to be really careful that we're not projecting our modern idea of what it looks like, because you are correct. There is a very different difference between male and female, but they're not always exactly what we think of immediately. Yeah. What I'm trying to say is that those differences were those differences are given to us by God. Therefore, right. he should be the one that ultimately has the say in terms of how those get expressed. And the thing is, what we have done is we've, we've sort of, we have made some very damaging um, gender role stereotypes that we say this must be then what a man looks like and this must be what a woman looks like when in fact if can i be real honest and make a make a confession here yeah do you know that as a man i actually like walking through ikea you know it's like is that okay can i still be a man and you know and some would say i mean honestly there are some of those say hey man turn in your man card you you can't do that you can't actually enjoy that you could not enjoy you know, and I actually love beautiful things. I love nature. I love taking photographs. I love that kind of stuff. And some, and again, some of these things could be feminized, right? With a, with an improper stereotype, but it doesn't make me less of a man any more than it makes a woman less of a woman because maybe she likes to hunt and fish and do those types of things. It's like, Hey, that's okay. Yeah. Well, you look in Proverbs about when, when King Solomon is describing what a good godly woman is, and it's not what we think of a woman today. So what I'm saying is, is that we have changed what, what, what God said was manliness and feminineness. So is there anything else then on this yeah. purpose side that you would yeah. want to help parents kind of think through in terms of what is God's purpose for sexuality? So, so when, when, well, I like to look at, look at puberty and the changes that come with puberty and what that has to do with things. Because children basically are supposed to sexually awaken at puberty. Children are not supposed to be interested in sexual things before that. Today that happens because they're exposed to so much, they get sometimes get interested in sex way before then, which causes all kinds of problems. But there's not supposed to be. And when puberty happens, a lot more happens than just their body changes. And it has a lot to do with emotions. Is what happens to a kid in puberty is they gain adult level emotions. And the reason that they act so crazy 
is because it takes them a long time to get the reasoning ability to manage those. Our emotions don't get strong and then weaker again. They stay just as strong as they were. It's just that our ability to manage them and not let them carry us away grows after that. It takes, that, that happens after. And so those emotions, that's part of our whole sexuality. For example, sexuality was designed to be giving. Mm -hmm. In a marriage relationship, the way it's supposed to work is we are giving pleasure to our spouse. We're not taking it for ourselves. That is exactly the opposite of what culture says sex is for. Yeah, and but, pornography, right? I mean, porn is all about taking. But every kid, when they enter puberty, that desire to be giving, that th th they have all these emotions, but they have the new capacity to have much more empathy than they had as a little kid, a, a deeper level of empathy, they have a deeper level for compassion and a greater capacity to give of themselves. If we channel that, we steward that, if we encourage that, is that they become, have this new level of a little kid can love someone, but it's, we know as parents, it's not the same kind of love as an adult we have for a kid. Mm -hmm. it, we think of children as having stronger, they don't. The strong emotions come at puberty, not, not before then. And that, that, that is part of our sexuality, to be giving of ourselves. That's what sex is. The sex act in marriage is giving of ourselves to each other. And so there is a, that is a sexual thing, a, a part of sexuality actually, mixed with emotions, see they're all connected, to be giving. And so as our kids get to that age, we can say part of your sexuality now is to be giving of yourself, not, not in a sexual way, but in a way that's deeply rooted in your emotions and feelings like sex is. Does that make any sense? Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things that comes to my mind is when I think of the, um, one of the most famous lines that appears over and over again in scripture related to the, the marital oneness is, you know, when Adam said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Well, for what reason? It was when, God brought Eve to him, and all of a sudden, he has this newfound desire to pursue <laughs> mm -hmm. something that he, there was nothing else in creation that he had that same kind of desire to pursue. It's like, for this reason, there is now something that is awakened in me that's not like anything else that I could experience in my body or in my mind or in my emotions, and now I want to go pursue this. And what you're saying is that's the awakening that God intended to happen in puberty is now there is a new push outward. This idea of saying, I have a, you know, it's, the, it's like a, the, the 13, 14, 15 year old boy that before only ever wanted to be playing with his buddies. And now all of a sudden, Hey, you know what? Susie across the playground is looking different <laughs> and yeah. I'm having a different type of one, wanting to get outside of myself and actually now pursue in a way that I never had that kind of a desire before. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Is yeah, there's yeah. an awakening there? Yeah. But the, so sex, our sexuality makes us giving. Before sexuality awakens, we're, we, we do nice things, but it's a whole different level of giving of ourselves for the benefit of somebody else. And then one of the other purposes of sex in marriage, and we can begin talking to this by the time they're 13, it's very, very latest is that is the, the sex act in marriage causes husband and wife to be very powerfully bonded together. That's not mm -hmm. a 
it's a spiritual thing, but it's also a biological reality because of the hormones that go off in the brain during the sex act. And they need to understand this is, there's a purpose for that. And it's, it does bond and it's very powerful. So if you do sexual things with people you're not married to or before married, you're bonding to all these other people that, that that's not what it was made for. And that, and that that's dangerous. And, I, it, yeah. and we even know that biologically it keeps that bond weak yeah. Because as you're spreading that around, we, we've there have been research the studies that have done long-term mm -hmm. studies of people that have had, you know, they've been married to the same person, single partner for a lifetime, and the levels of happiness and health and all these types of things in terms of that bond actually solidify and grow greater over time with a single partner over a lifetime versus multiple. So what our kids need to understand is that is extremely powerful. God, God made that to be unbelievably powerful we don't grasp that as quite and that's why we don't mess around with it that's why he put all these guidelines around look i made this really powerful and it's really good but because of it if you misuse it the kind of damage it does is equally powerful and don't you think then that having giving that kind of an understanding of there's a purpose here it's powerful out of that then parents can have a little bit more um clarity for why there are so many types of boundaries around this, right? Because I think we start with boundaries without the context of the right. purpose. Yeah, and this, this is the idea is if we start with the purpose, then the boundaries make sense. If we start with the boundaries, we're just going to start a fight because, right. I mean, yes, yeah, some kids are compliant. Some kids will pretend they agree with you until you leave the room. But the idea is, like, let's talk about teenagers. Teenagers are rebellious kind of by nature. It's sort of built into them. You know what I mean? Well, and they want to, like you were talking about that change in puberty. They want to get outside themselves, assert independence, right? They're, they're learning yeah. so new ways to interact. Make the mistake of thinking kids that don't argue with them are compliant. Mm -hmm. I was that kid. I didn't ever argue with my parents. I just let them finish talking. Then I went off and did what I wanted to do when they didn't know it. And so what I'm saying is don't ever believe that you're, outwardly compliant child is not rebelling inside. <laughs> because so so let me let me stop you there because you know obviously we're, we're talking to parents who I mean there's a whole range of personality types and all those types of things and you have anything from extroverts to introverts and what you're talking about is that difference between that outwardly compliant child versus maybe the the verbally rebellious child it makes me think that this means that one Parents really need to have a good grasp of knowing their child. And number yeah. two, out of that, really being able to be strategic maybe in how they're trying to draw their child into conversation. Would that be yeah. fair? Yeah, yeah. And, and one thing, this is not what the topic today is about, but I want to say really quickly, we did a survey this last year with a bunch of uh, Christian teenagers um, about this, like talking to their parents with their parents about sex. Um, they didn't know we kind of hoodwinked them and, and they didn't know that they were going to be asked these questions, but um, it's anonymous and that kind of thing. But what they basically said was, to summarize it is, we actually do want to talk with adults about sex because we know adults know more than we do. And most of the kids would rather talk with their parents than anybody else. Mm. Um, but they're afraid their parents, it's not the kids that don't want to, it's the parents that don't want to. And oh. they're afraid their parents will get mad at them for the kinds of questions that they would ask. So the, the thing is, the kids are afraid of getting in trouble 
for having the conversation, but they want to have the conversation. And this is something parents don't understand. So they, we, we get all worried about this, but especially when you talk about it this way, we didn't start talking about the, what sex is. You know, we just said God created everything. And yeah. when they get old enough to understand what sex is, oh yeah, and he created that too. God created your body and all the parts on it and they're all good. You know, th this kind of stuff. When you start really, really young, when you get to the age to talk about the, the things that we're more embarrassed about, you're, it's not so hard because you're used to, you're already used to talking about personal things. Now, the thing is though, this framework can be, can be applied no matter where a right. parent is in their relationship with their child. Like we, we probably have parents that are going, oh my goodness, I've got a 12-year-old, a 15-year-old, a 19-year-old. Are you telling me, I, I mean, what do I do? You can still begin to apply this framework, right? We only have a few minutes I, I left. Actually, so I would actually some... start, before ever talking about sex, no matter how old the kid is, start talking about God created everything. He created everything with a purpose. Uh, he knows everything. Um, he cares about you very, very much. And we can trust him when he asks us to do something or not to do something. You start talking about that quite a bit and then say, what are some examples? And then you work up to the sex part. And then you're, you, does that make sense? Yes. You don't start with the hard part, but you, you build this framework and little by little over weeks, you talk about how it, how it applies to our emotions, how we, how we guard, not, don't just yell at somebody because we feel like it, that kind of thing. Uh, we talk about our money. You know, um, that there's a ton, the Bible has a ton to say about that. We talk about our possessions. We talk about, uh, you know, all these kinds of things. And then eventually we get to sexuality. And then it, it, it's a much smaller step to take. In the few minutes that we have left, what are some other key things that you would want parents to know in terms of how to explain God's design for sexuality? The key is at different ages. And I realize we have parents here that, you know, we can't all go back to our kids being five years old, you know, so, so they're, they're, you know, to build up. Um, there's different things you would do at different ages. Um, the, the one thing that um, we'll talk about on another one of these interviews is start with emotions, start talking about your feelings. That, that's a really great uh, um, segue into that. Um, oh, there's one other thing I wanted to say really quick before we get anywhere almost out of time. Um, this isn't quite what you're asking for, but I wanted to make sure you remember this, is that we need to talk about singleness and marriage when they're a teenager, because it is true that God designed humans in general to marry and have children and have families and this whole thing. But it's very clear in scripture that there are some people that he called into singleness to relationship just with him to use all their energy to serve. And it's good to tell more young people today are marrying later, and I think it seems fewer of them are marrying and, and rather than try to, you know, marry everybody off, we need to admit that God will call some people to singleness. We need to let them understand this when they're younger so that they, if they feel not particularly attracted to marrying anybody, they don't feel like they're weird. You know, yeah. that, and also realize that that doesn't mean they're not a sexual being. Right. Right. I mean, they still have sexuality, even right. as a single person. Right. That's a whole other conversation, but anyway, yes, but yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, John, Tell folks again where they can get some additional resources uh, to help them as parents to really be able to navigate these conversations. So the easiest thing is go to the Be Broken website and click on the family tab on the top or the, the picture family. And there's just all kinds of stuff there, including the, the book Honest Talk, a new perspective to talk to your kids about sex. That is, is, is 
listed on there, and that is encompasses all this stuff. There's also online training with similar kinds of information on Pure Life Academy. Again, that's all listed and will be broken. And there's little, little videos and little ideas and tips and things on, on, on that page as well. And also, just so you know, parents, there's there are periodic uh uh, webinars that John does oh, yeah. that can, that you can that's very interactive. So you can be asking questions during the webinar and things like that. And there's going to be some coming up in January. We'll have those on the website uh, as well. Um, so there's lots of resources for you. And uh, John, thanks again for all the work you've been doing in this area. And uh, we're going to have you back on regularly in in throughout the year because we want to kind of unpack some of these concepts and a lot of the feedback that you've been getting from parents as they've been going through the books and the courses and all that. So there's a lot of really practical interactive stuff that you're going to be bringing to these um, podcasts, but, but thanks for being with us. Okay. Thanks. And listeners, we're always glad that you're with us. If you have questions, I mean, reach out to us at puresexradio.com or uh, through Twitter at pure sex radio. And we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the program. Take care. Pure sex radio is paid for by be broken ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.